Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Shop and Chivalry podcast. My guest today is the spouse of a former guest of mine, Ben Weldon. Ben Weldon was episode three. You can check that out if you'd like. There's no video for that one. That was before I got video. But his uh, spouse is my guest today, Katie Weldon. So Katie Weldon is uh, a member of the Junior Auxiliary, and in fact, she's actually the president. She also works for the Mississippi Gulf Coast Chamber of Commerce, which supports the six coastal counties, the one coast concept. Uh, but her work as the president of the Junior Auxiliary, I should say, is uh, basically they're, they're using the power. This is an all-woman organization, and their job, their charge basically is to go out and support the local area. And they do that by helping uh, with, with children in need, with families in need. And it's an amazing organization and they've been hyper productive already this year. And we talk about a lot of that on the show, but Katie's, Katie's hilarious. Uh, we, we have a great time and we talk about a lot of different concepts. We bounce around a lot as just this show is like how my brain works, but uh, it, it's a it's a fantastic conversation, and I know you all are enjoy it are going to enjoy it. Everybody, please welcome Katie Weldon. I guess we'll get started. Okay. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Shop and Chivalry Podcast. I'm here with my guest today, Katie Weldon. That's me. How Thanks for you? having me. Good, good. <laughs> I thought about coming in with like a 32 ounce Red Bull and just really just like chugging it right when we first yeah, started. Yeah, full send. Full send. However, it has been so long since I've had one that I may, you know, you can do like back tucks and stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's what I need to do. Drink the Red Bull so I could maybe do a back tuck. I'm, I'm all about it. We'll do it next time. Okay. We'll yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie, we've been talking about uh, getting you on the show for quite some time now. We did, uh, I did interview your husband, Ben. He did. The stud himself. The stud, the, le- <laughs> the man, the myth, the yeah, mansion, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, so that was one of my first episodes, maybe like episode... I think it was three, three I listened yeah. to that one too. You know, I got to do my research before yeah, I come in, yeah. I listen. <laughs> now, I didn't ask you this before we started. Do you have like a drop dead time, a time that you have to get out of here? No, okay. no, I'm all yours. Gotcha. All but right. I got a babysitter. We're good. Okay. Speaking of which, you, yes. you just had a baby. I just had a you baby. You just had a human inside of you. I did. And, right and never again never never <laughs> really? and, and i truly mean that oh wow i truly mean it mm-hmm. yeah if we want more kids we'll adopt or you know we'll foster or something fair enough so. fair enough okay mm-hmm. all right well so so what was the experience like i mean looking back i hated pregnancy uh-huh. all of it and i and i don't mean that for the fact of like it it really is this life-changing moment of you know you're carrying this life inside of you and it's no longer about you um maybe you shouldn't be eating a whole bag of flaming hot cheetos right now there's no telling what that's going to do the baby. Um, but overall, it was, you know, my first trimester, I was very sick. Couldn't stand up. Was, you know, low blood sugar, all that stuff. Second trimester was good because it hit around Christmas and Thanksgiving and all these, like, things. Like, king cake. Yeah. That was fine. And then the third trimester hit, and it was just, once again, I was couldn't, couldn't eat anymore. I, was, I lost six pounds before I went in to deliver just because I couldn't eat. Really? Could not eat. Yep. But the whole birthing experience was very interesting. I went in trying to see how long I could go without getting an epidural. So, I'm not long. I, I, <laughs> I, and I, no shame I hear that's a dangerous game to play because it gets to a point where you oh, yeah. can't get one. I didn't even get close to the line. Okay, Brian, gotcha. Okay? Um, they came in and, you know, they were pushing on my stomach. And uh, this was like at midnight. They said I was contracting, but I didn't feel anything. I was like, I am going to rock this. And then four o'clock, five o'clock hit and they, you know, pushed again because, you know, they're just trying to see like where the baby's at. And they told me 
that um, I started feeling it in my back. And they, I would lay on my side. And um, when I would lay on my side, her heart rate would drop. So I was having to lay on my back. And they were like, okay, we'll come do this again in an hour. And I said, an hour? I need an epidural now. Yeah. And so that was at 5, 6 in the morning, and then I had her at 3. Wow. Yeah. So I would recommend an epidural <laughs> for everyone. So I, I've gotten one because I've got, uh, I've got an avulsion of the L5-S1. So the uh, lowest lumbar vertebrae and the S1, I think, is the, the, the hips, basically. And so it, it shifted. And so basically, if you can imagine, like, imagine two circles, right, over sure. top of each yeah. other, and that's how nerves move through your spine. One shifts, that opening smaller. Dude, you're making me, like, cringe a little bit. I, so, oh, sorry. No, sorry. no we can talk about quick, it, but yeah, it's but, like, no, you're good. <laughs> it's just, uh, what happened? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it just it just happened to me. I can tell you the story. So, so I was in uh, I was in Italy, in Sicily, Italy. Okay, we get it. Okay. Show off. Yeah. <laughs> Five years, fifty countries, no big deal. Uh, so, so I was there on a military mission, and we get alerted. Alerted just means we're called to execute the mission. We have to be airborne in three hours, forty five sure. minutes. Sure, all that stuff. Uh, I go to reach for the phone, just to answer the call, and I feel something. Right? right now, I didn't have a night of drinking anything. I had pizza, a couple beers, went to bed. And when I got up, I fell to my knees. My body couldn't support my weight. Oh, Jesus. So I got as much of my flight suit as I could and I crawled to the elevator, you know, pulled myself up and then kind of fell out of the elevator. And the rest of my crew was down there. They had to go get all my stuff. And then I was sent to the hospital and they gave me, they didn't know what it was. Like they just called it a back spasm. And uh, for like 10 days after that, I was stuck in Italy. They left me there. The crew left me there and they went back home and I had to hitchhike my my way back on military aircraft to get back home. But they gave me morphine, did nothing for me. The nothing. morphine did nothing. Morphine did nothing. That's what you know. Me, yeah. They had to give me Demerol, I think. Oh yeah. And they said that it was 10 times more powerful than morphine. And that shit beats the <laughs> hell out of aspirin. <laughs> but, Could you imagine like comparing the both? Like you take your aspirin, you're like, oh, my headache's gone a little bit. And then yeah. you take that. Yeah. And then you go to I a new no dimension. Brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's how Rick and Morty was created. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. But, but yeah, so I eventually just got it checked out and found that, that I had that shift. And so if I do anything overhead that forced me to hyperextend my back, it's a predictable like three to 10 days I'm going to have where I can barely support the weight of my own body. So what I have to go do, it's not that I physically can't, it's that the nerves are causing so much trauma or around the bone there and just constantly hitting it, resting on it, pinched by it, whatever. And then my body eventually just shifts back. So I have to go and get injections. Yep. Uh, and then I did a nerve ablation one time where they burn the ends of the nerves uh, in the spine so that I can't feel that. And like, so right now, one of the side effects, I'm, I'm going on way too long. This is your interview, but, but, uh, no, I want to know about your burned nerves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they go in and they, and they just, they just start burning them and, and it's great, but it's, crazy painful. It's the only time in any medical procedure I yelled, um, because of the pain. And like my wife was outside and I came out and she was in tears because she thought like something bad had gone wrong or whatever, but I, they, they were, they've got to use this like very precise instrument to go in your back. I'm on a table. It's like this big machine that comes around you and they, they're going through x-ray live and just kind of burning off and you can feel the heat. Like it's, it's crazy. That makes me shake a little bit thinking about that. Yeah. Right. But I, so it's just for pain. Like I don't have any feeling down the back of my left leg all the way down to my last two toes. So I don't feel that anymore. So I mean, who needed to in the first place? Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> one more story about oh, nerves. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, this is in California. They're like, Hey, look, just so you know, 
uh, we didn't get all of one tooth because the root was wrapped around the nerve. We would have ended up pulling the nerve out. And, and I said, well, what's the effect of that? And I was like, could I use my jaw still? And they go, well, yeah, you just wouldn't have any feeling. You know what my first thought was? Because I boxed a little bit and I was like, this kind of sounds like an advantage. <laughs> and, and Is that and, what they're doing now? Does Floor, Floyd Mayweather get his nerve taken out of his jaw? <laughs> So no, like, he's just the greatest defensive fighter of all time. But, but with the yeah. worst hairline. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? Not wrong. Definitely not wrong. Uh, but but he's so small, he could, if he wanted to live economically, he could probably fit easily into most overhead storage bins on planes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> a, he's a tiny he? guy. I right? mean, uh, there's no telling how many planes he has. It's the money team. Is he going to win? <laughs> I think it's all yes. a show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, it's, well, look at the Conor McGregor thing. I yeah. mean, come that was actually a fairly technical fight, though. It actually was good. I'm sure there was a no knockout clause somewhere that that you know in hidden under some NDA or something. But like, as far as like a fight, Connor didn't do bad. He didn't do bad. Yeah. But the promotions leading up to it, whoever their PR team is, good for them. Fantastic. Because I mean, it, was it scripted? I'm sure. Yeah. Was I into it? Absolutely. Yeah. All of it. 100%. I was watching every single one just to see yeah, what would happen. And I don't watch pre-fight stuff oh, no, not at but all. like that i tuned in did you, know? you? oh yeah oh, somebody oh, yeah. streamed on facebook live before they shut it down i was watching yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'm not gonna pay for this fight it's not gonna last that long so. yeah yeah it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting though to see all this stuff i mean all this prize fighting stuff i mean it's um well like lamar odom it's boxing aaron carter oh i forgot did, about this. did yes oh yeah. that's amazing uh, well Look, I'm, be, I'm, no. I'm gonna pull for lamb lamb i gotta pull for lamb lamb because you know so my wife used to watch Keeping Up the Kardashians back Obviously. in the day. Yeah, right. And so, of course, I'd sit in there because... Um, oh, you know, you, I'm sure you had to. I had <laughs> to twist my arm, sure. you know, so... Uh, and this is pre-cocaine, you know, <laughs> Lamar Odom. So. Well, before we knew. Before we knew. Fair enough. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but Chloe seems... Chloe does seem better. Do I like Tristan Thompson? No. No, well, there's. I don't think there's any good reason to like him based on his. But I mean, I mean, when she was with James Harden, every single person she's ever been with has cheated on her. So I mean, at what point are you like, listen? Maybe the type of person you're after, like a young superstar athlete. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Which maybe we need to go out after Bill Gates now. Uh, apparently, that's a thing. Apparently, people. Well, well, he's getting divorced. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, where? So uh, I wonder what that's gonna look like and no prenup no prenup i'm like man she did it right she did, she did it right <laughs> I, i'm sure that it will i mean because he like transferred like billions of dollars into like her some kind of stock market thing for her but i'm like you know what but i read that it was because of the jeffrey epstein stuff because he was like he might have been involved might in been it. involved but i get most of my news source from tmz.com and i have no shame in saying that yeah so <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. But does it keep me on the edge? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I I, I certainly appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's that that whole Epstein thing is is very odd. I mean, and and Bill Gates seems like a younger Bill Gates is kind of a Weasley dude. You know, it, it kind of like everybody I got to the it. top somehow. Yeah. Everybody has gotten to the top somehow, and it seems like everybody has gotten to the top because of Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, and man. I mean, yeah. So here we are. What a crazy I, I didn't story. know we would start. I didn't know we would end with Jeffrey Epstein. No, yeah. Uh, well, well, we haven't ended. We <laughs> no, should no, probably no. Get, get get back on the appropriate track here. <laughs> we'll continue this later. Yeah. So, so Katie, tell yes. us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Where you work? Okay. I can do that. So I 
will be 31 in a month, which is insane. Congrats. I still, there's definitely moments where I'm like, I'm 15. And then there's other moments where I'm like, I'm 89. Yeah. So um, that's me. I work at the Mississippi Gulf Coast Chamber of Commerce. I'm the programming director, which is a lot of words for that I put on all kinds of events, okay. professional development events, networking events. Um, we recently, on Tuesday, May 11th, had an annual meeting, which I obviously wasn't there for because I'm on maternity leave right now. But, you know, those kind of events with the chamber, I mean, just allowing people and businesses the opportunity to kind of grow and reflect and, you know, better their business. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier, I just had a daughter, Annie, and then my husband, Ben, and then I have two dogs, a Bassett and a Cocker, Lucy okay. and Cagney. And then I'm, I'm wearing my uh, Junior Auxiliary shirt. Okay. Um, I am the president of the Junior Auxiliary at Biloxi Ocean Springs, which a lot of people don't know what any of those words mean either. I, I did not know about it until you mentioned it. Uh, right. And, and, and to you're be honest, from Ocean Springs, right? Right, right, right. And the thing is going through through the website, I want to talk about all this stuff, but but, but going through the website, I, I guess we can we can start here. It wasn't super clear no. what they did, right? So, but but it, I guess they're a vehicle for community now, uh, yes. type of events. Or? So, there's the National Association of Junior Auxiliaries, okay? Like that's the big umbrella, and then under that are the chap city chapters. So, like there's us, Gulfport, Pascagoula, Moss Point, Hattiesburg. I mean, like all over. So that's and each chapter kind of. We have guidelines set by the national organization. And you'll hear me say things like JA, that means Junior Auxiliary, or JBOSS, that's Junior Auxiliary Biloxi Ocean Springs. Okay. So we have these things set by the national organization that are like guidelines. Like each chapter needs to be run by Robert's Rules of Order, Parliamentary Procedure. But other than that, I mean, you kind of, the projects or more like events we put on to help the community are kind of up to the chapter's discretion. Okay. So with, you know, JBOSS, a lot of our programs focus mainly on children ages 5 to 18. And right now, I think we have 12 service projects, meaning some of those could be connected within the community. Like, we have one called Community Connection, where we'll work with, like, Abundant Life Church does food drives. Or we'll work with the Angel Tree organization, like, you know, call prisoners' families, see if they're interested, and, you know, having, you know, gifts sent from their parent in prison. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have the conversations with these people. And... Then we have other stuff like kids in court care where we work directly with CASA. We recently just did a huge like diaper and backpack drive. What is CASA? CASA is the ones like court advocacy for kids. Gotcha. Gotcha. In the foster care system. Okay. So, um, which when I was doing my research for this in Harrison County, I asked how many students in the county were in foster care? 900, over 900 kids. Really? 900 kids. Uh, There's, I think... There's a guy I went to school with. Uh, Brennan's his first name. I, th- I forget his last name. Sorry, Brennan. But they just uh, became foster parents. I oh, think yes. They three Jonathan kids. Brennan. Yes. There we go. Yes. Yep, yes. Because yep, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. he won that beard contest. Yeah. <laughs> and so they went and adopted. And, you know, what the crazy thing is, is I'm adopted. Okay. And Ben is halfway adopted. Okay. His dad adopted him. Yeah. And then Ben's dad's fully adopted, too. Oh, wow. So. Interesting. There you go. And I was in foster care for five weeks. Yeah, I was in foster care. I think for almost a year. So I was, um, I was, I was an abused child. Okay. And so for the first four years of my life, I was in this abusive household uh, in in Texas, and became a ward of the state. My dad didn't know I was I existed. I was born out of wedlock. So so he had to come and fight the state to get custody. Uh, and you know, it's never really a question of whether or not he's he's my real dad because the forehead. The forehead. See how handy that comes in. Mm-hmm. Look at us. One of the tribe. But, so how yeah. did that work when you were there? Like, how did your dad find out? 
So they, I think, I think my mom mentioned that oh, okay. uh, there was a biological father that, that she knew of. And so they knew that they were military. And so there's ways that the states can communicate with the Department of Defense and try and locate this individual. At the time, he was stationed in Holland. Okay. Yep. Love Holland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good times. Yep. Ditto. Good Ditto. times. <laughs> 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 Anyways. So, I mean, he just came and. <clears throat> yeah. And so what was really, this is a true story, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Um, Oprah Winfrey was doing this thing where she was reaching out to, to uh, service members that had adopted or whatever, or been reconnected with kids. My dad got contacted to be on Oprah. And so we were supposed to go on Oprah at the time, the public affairs, military public affairs did not want my dad to do it. Why? I, I, I've actually never asked that question about why, but um, I don't know, maybe it had to do with talking about abuse or whatever. But uh, what's, what's interesting too, is that my dad tells me, and I've met somebody from uh, whenever he was working in Holland at the time, he was a young enlisted person. And they were saying, you don't want any part of that. Don't go, don't go pick him up. You know, he's an abused kid. You don't want any. Yeah. Yeah. So they were actively discouraging him from even coming to fight and pick me up from the state. And look at you. Look at me. But the thing is, is like, (laughs) Uh, so many, but how often does that happen that those kids are just counted out? Well, and, 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 and those are, those are elements of the foster care problem that, that people don't even consider Right, is that people know that there's, you're taking on quite the weight, sure. you know, quite the, quite the job. Um, and of course the question is, well, why would you put yourself through it? Because you kind of don't have to, right? You could just avoid it. You could, but there's, but there's something else. You know, and, and, and my dad has that thing where he's, um, you know, he, he just feels obligated to take care of well, people. As he, as he should have been. Right, right. I mean, let's, let's go ahead and say that. He's also a medical care provider, so it's kind of part and parcel of who he is. And, so. and God bless them, because yeah. I, I couldn't be a nurse, I couldn't be a doctor. Not because of the patients, just because of, I, I couldn't keep up with all that stuff. All the textbooks they have to read? Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> well, I was, coming out of high school, I was supposed to, my plan was to go to USM and go into nursing. Okay, what happened? Uh I didn't think I could disconnect. Okay. And I didn't want to, you know? I understand that. um, So that, yeah, that was the reason. Well, I mean, you seem, you seem like an empath too. So I think that would be kind of hard for you to. I've got the capacity. I've, I've, I've got control of it, you know? Yeah. Um, So unless it's a story that someone tells me about loss or grief and then it's just, you know what I mean? It just flows. Which once again makes you human. Yeah. And shows that you're not a robot. Because <laughs> when people tell stories like that, if you don't have the reaction, then it's kind of like literally what has happened to you. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. But I mean, yeah. so many of these kids that we interact with, we have a project called Someone to Talk To, where we go into the schools and we do a puppet show. And the puppet show shows inappropriate touching or a caregiver. It's it just unethical things that shouldn't be happening. And, you know, we do this in front of the kids and there's counselors in there and their teachers and, um, one time I was doing it and the kid raised his hand and it was like, my daddy does that. Um, so it, but the thing, I what, think, what, what do you do in that situation? The good thing is we provide the information. Their counselors provide the support. That's uh, the good I thing see. about someone to talk to. Okay. But like other times, like this year we got to hand deliver angel tree gifts from Gulfport all the way to Moss point. We were like delivering these gifts for kids whose parents were in prison. And some of the houses it was astonishing. And I'm not talking about, it, it doesn't matter if they have a roof over their head, cleanliness, you're, they're being taken care of. But there were some of these places where you were just astounded that, that a child was living in that. A buddy of mine, shout out to Chris Dixon. He got, uh, he got, he 
got hit by an IED in Afghanistan. He's good though. He's fine, you know. But uh, weird, weird way to segue, right? <laughs> so he he's a medical care provider as well. Was was in the military, and he would tell me just on base and base housing. He he would go into homes because of a domestic, you know, abuse thing. He has to show right. up part of the base response, and there'd be like feces on the wall. So like just oh, yeah. just terrible conditions, and it's just it's it's hard to believe that even people in the military are are would you know, put their kids through that, you know? Well, the military has all types. I mean, just like Angel yeah. Tree, like, you know, there's pot. there's some people, you pull up to their house and you're like, you have a parent in prison? I wouldn't I wouldn't know that. Yeah. I wouldn't know that. But, I mean, we in, we interact with so many different kids. You know, we, we just had a Girl Scout event where they could earn their staying fit badge. And these are obviously, like, very involved parents. Like, they bring their kids here for an entire day. They sit around, do all this stuff. And, you know, then we have the opposite side where, you know, you're you're working with CASA and you're seeing, like, you know, the, the, all these foster children that just need help that, yeah. just, that either need a good home or want to go back to their parents and their parents are fighting for them. So we also work with the local shelter. We go in every Tuesday. This was before COVID. We're still waiting to go back. But every Tuesday while their mothers were in counseling, we would be with the children doing crafts, talking to them, things like that. And I can remember the first time I went, it was a Valentine's day party. And you can always tell when a child has been through something because they act of either two ways. They are either extremely distant and will not speak to you, or they are extremely clingy and will will attach to you the entire time, won't detach. So I had this girl attached to me the entire time. We made Valentine's Day cards, all this stuff. And when I'm leaving, she hands me this heart and she was like, will you please keep this? I had the best time today. And that's just a Tuesday for one hour. Mm. One hour you're with these kids. And just showing them that kind of attention. Because, I mean, displaced from their homes. They're coming into the shelter. They don't know anybody. They're with all these different kids. And, I mean, imagine not being able to have your friends over. Because you can't tell anybody where the shelter is. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't tell a soul. And it just goes to show how little it takes to actually make an impact. In, Extremely in, little. In somebody's life. Extremely you know? little. Yeah. Which there are some, I mean, our members range from CEOs to, I mean, stay-at-home moms. What? I mean, they just, and we're all, we try to do 30 service hours a year, each member 30 service hours a year. And this year we've had people go over a hundred. We've had a lot of people go over 50. And I mean, these are people that are working eight to five. When you say this year, you mean like since January 1st? Uh, I mean, from May of 2020 to April of 2021, we have serviced over 13,000 children. Wow. It's amazing. And and then all from just, just the Gulf Coast. So. All from the Gulf Coast. Okay. All, all six uh, coastal counties? We service, it, it's not counties necessarily, it's more like cities. So we okay. have Biloxi, Van Cleve, Diaberville, St. Martin, Ocean Springs, Diaberville. Those are our six. Mm. And then, you know, Gulfport comes in and does Gulfport in Long Beach. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, Pascagoula Moss Point too. Okay. So we kind of, if we hear of a kid that's needing help in Gulfport, we reach out to Gulfport. Or if we hear of a kid that needs help in Moss Point, we'll reach out to Moss Points chapter. Give me some context here. How, sure. how big of a problem is like foster, um, uh, in terms of how, how many foster children there are in, in those areas relative to say, I don't know, like a, is there a national average number or something? I mean. I wouldn't know the national average, but I will tell you, I was reading a study. Greg, by the way. Of Greg, what's up, my man? <laughs> he just uh, hangs out. It's fine. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> everybody has a purpose. <laughs> yeah. And the fly is here for a reason. Yeah. He needs to hear this. I was reading something um, the other day that said, if every, if one family from every church in Mississippi adopted a foster child, there would be no children in foster care. That's one family. Now that national average is if one family from every third church 
adopted a foster child, the United States wouldn't have foster kids. Wow. That's every third church in the whole nation. Well, I think that puts it into perspective. Uh, it, yeah. When you read that, you're like, so if every one family in every church just adopted a kid, there would be no kids in foster care? Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's insane. Yeah. It's yeah. insane when you think about it. I mean, because, I mean, there's, you know, there's different types of foster situations. Sure. You could have, you know, one where you're the only kid, and then you can have another where you're, you're, you're part of a well-established family. It's got, you know, four or five kids. In yeah, there. exactly. So, but yeah, 900 kids in Harrison County. Still waiting to hear about Jackson County. But those are, when I asked, I asked how many students. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like the entirety or if that's just the people, the students, like in school. So what happens after they reach the age of 18? Aren't they just, a, I mean, on their own, right? And so what happens there? I mean, is, is there a statistical kind of answer maybe? Not from exists? me. Yeah, Not from you. me. Yeah, that, but that, I mean, we that do, seems to be the tragedy of it. it. It is. And the thing, what's so important is, and what we're really trying to focus on this year, because, you know, to become a member of Junior Auxiliary, you have to be put up by two people who one, an active person, or one who has gone live, meaning that they've done five years of junior auxiliary, and then you're done. And so they're in good standing. So it, for the past couple of years, it's been really important to us to like make sure that we have people in the chapter who know what's going on. Yeah. So we actually have like somebody who works for CASA in the chapter now. So somebody who works directly with these foster kids, like goes to the houses and like deals with them and then comes back and says, we need to be doing more about this. That's the kind of people I want in my chapter. Gotcha. That I want people to say, you know what? We're not hitting this. You know, we have a counselor who works at Ocean Springs. And um, last year she said, we are not doing enough with the homeless population of students. And I was like, oh, what do you mean by homeless? Well, now the word I think is um, displaced. And she said, that's anybody who is living in a hotel, living in their car, living with a different family member, and that's 0.7% in Ocean Springs. 0.7%. So uh, 0 0.07, sorry. 0 0.07%. 0 0.07. That mm -hmm. seems to be fairly low. And it's fairly low, but when you yeah. think about it, uh, we did this thing where we did, if if the student came, if the family came and dis, didn't disclose their name, but went to a counselor and said, you know, we're living in a motel. We're, we're doing this. We're doing that. We created these family bins and it would have laundry detergent for them because most of the time they don't have a functioning refrigerator. So you're having to do things where they can just make mac and cheese with a bottle, bottle of water. Sure. So it had all this other stuff and, you know, clothes, things like that. And I think we in total before COVID happened made about in the span of six months, I think we made 12 of those boxes just for students in Ocean Springs. Hmm. Yeah, the the homeless population was kind of a large topic of discussion during the local election, and, and to be honest with you, very surprised by that. And and it's it's one of those things where I don't really see it that often. I mean, there's there's one or two people, but um, I remember growing up around here, and there were two people, two two homeless people that were like well known, and the one that rode the bicycle with the crazy hat. Yep, yep. I and, don't know the other and one. And then the other one was um, a lady who had like green hair, and she was always walking Highway 90. Huh. Yeah, but. Those those were the only two homeless people that I had ever seen, so I didn't know that it was it was that much of an issue. Um, I I heard someone tell me that Ocean Springs buses their homeless people to other cities. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true. That I think sounds it's like just the rhetoric of something I've heard before as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, so how how did I mean how did we get this this kind of problem here in Ocean Springs? I mean, it seems that there's not a lot of homes that are without people occupying it. You know. I, but I mean, like, how do 
I think the obviously when you're working with these kids, especially the ones where you're not, you know, because we have some projects that it's like very lovey dovey. You don't get into that kind of stuff. And then we have projects where it's like we go to the shelter or we have a project called I Matter, which is our child welfare one. And these people apply because they need help. They don't know how to handle their finances. They can't find a job. They don't have a car to get to work. Sure. And we go in and interview these people, take them on for two years and teach them finances, help them find a car, help them balance their checkbooks, help them figure out, you know, sometimes they don't even have beds in their house. Don't, don't have beds. We go out, find beds. Luckily, we've, I don't think we've ever had to actually purchase a bed because the community is just that supportive of us that yeah. we're able to do that. But, you know, it, it happens. And yeah. there's, you know, there's a story of this student was living in a hotel with her parents and, you know, we're like, well, well what can we do? And her, they had no interest in leaving. They had no interest in bettering themselves. And that, but that's, a, that's one out of how many parents that are actually trying to do better. Well, and, and, you know, to be fair, it's a sort of devil, you know, Oh yeah. you know, to, to, to leave that that's and then point. confront something else. I mean, as far as they knew life was satisfactory, if not good, you know, but I um, just can't, I cannot imagine living in a hotel that was not the hotel on home alone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean, you know, but uh, if you don't know better, you don't do better. Yeah. And yeah, if you don't enough. want to know better, I've, I've, I've ran into people because, you know, there's all walks of life of, of about people in the military and, and they'll come in and they get right out of basic training and they make more money than their parents. You know, um, those, those same people though will, you know, in my opinion, run a high risk of, of getting themselves in, in financial trouble because their parents didn't. Exactly. They, they, That's they right. didn't do well with money. I've, I've had to teach, uh, this is more of just kind of a you know, sign of the times, I guess, but I've had to teach people how to write their signature in cursive so they could open a bank account. I believe yeah. it. I used to work at a bank. I've done literally everything you yeah. can think of. So, <laughs> you know, we had a guy come into the bank one time and, um, you know, to withdraw. He didn't have his stuff, so he had to write his address. And um, he lived at Perk Beach. And he asked me how to spell Perk. And then he asked me how to spell Beach. He, he had no idea how to spell anything. And um, this man was probably in his late 40s. But, I mean, it's just, it's out there. Because these kids don't go to school. They leave school, and then nobody ever checks up on them again. Or yeah. maybe they do three times, and then, oh, I've tried, but. That's that. And that to me highlights the, the value of, 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 of mentorship and, and whatnot. Right. And, and that's why these, these organizations like the Boys and Girls Clubs, these, exactly. these institutionalized organizations that um, have a history of doing it, that's, that's, that's why they're so important. It, you know? Extremely important. And we've done stuff with the Boys and Girls Club. And, you know, Les Legacy Business League um, is doing a lot with those students now, too. And there's another nonprofit um, out of Gulfport that is now providing suits to men to go on interviews and like to, to get practice and stuff too. So these are, I mean, all these ideas you can pull from. So even if you have, you know, like us in junior auxiliary, we see what these people are doing and we're like, if they're doing that in Gulfport, we can do that here. We can do that. You know, if Moss Point sees something we can do that there. And that's the, I think that's the thing that's like helped us get through COVID is like, it's, it would be so easy for us to be, just be like, we, we couldn't have a fundraising event this year or we're done. But we like tapped into our reserves and we were like, we're going to serve more kids now than ever. What, what gets you into nonprofit? Like what fires you up about it? Why do you do it? Because I mean, from the very nature of it, like, yes, you get to, is it just simply being able to impact other people? I mean, why do you do it? I think it starts, for, I think for a lot of people, it starts at a young age. So I know for me, my parents, I, I was heavily involved in the Baptist, Baptist church. And my parents made sure that I was volunteering in some capacity with my church or with something. So I can remember as early as ninth grade going to the food pantry every Tuesday and Thursday and having to work the two pa food pantry for two hours. 
that was ingrained in me. And I continued that every club that I got involved in through high school, through college, even afterwards had some kind of volunteerism in it. So I think a lot of that comes from your teachers, your parents, things like that to where it's like ingrained in you. Like mm-hmm. if you're not volunteering, if you literally have all this mobility, this accessibility to help someone, why aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're just sitting around not doing anything, cause you know, when I first moved down here in 2016 and I started working at USM research lab and I wasn't involved in anything. And I'm t- when I, I mean, you just can get in a hole like that. And I reached out to my friend Katie Widows and I was like, is there anything I can get involved in? And she was like, I think you'd be great in junior auxiliary. And I'm like, what is that? I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. I've heard of like junior league in New Orleans, but never this. And so that's how I got into junior auxiliary. But I think going back to your question, what gets people involved? I think it's the fact at the end of the day, if you can say to yourself, I've made, I've made my community a better place. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily you. But I've helped. I've helped a team make this better. You know, especially like bringing a daughter into the world, you think, am I, am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing to where when she gets older, she can say, my parents did this. My parents wanted me to have a better life, not just me, but the community around me that were going to be supporting me and, and mentoring me eventually. Right. Am I going to be doing that too? Because I feel like my parents had a lot of expectations for me. My parents both worked at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College for t- over 25 years. And I mean, they were heavily involved. And so for me, I felt that same expectation. So for the kids who don't have that, that's why Boys and Girls Club is so important because mm-hmm. the mentorship, like you said, I think it's becoming into a light to where it's going to be a part of curriculum now, hopefully, to where, you know, these teachers are seeing these things and, and have the resources to reach out to someone and say, hey, this person's really interested in this. And I think it, it would be great for you to like link up with this kid. Interesting. So connecting the philanthropy with the actual education exactly. system and matching kids yes. up with that. Yes. That's interesting. I yeah. mean, that's because I, once again, I feel like mentorship, it's becoming, you know, you read it in leadership books. It's like, it's very important. But now I feel like I'm reading studies and it's becoming more, especially on LinkedIn, like the power of mentorship, especially within women, women on women mentorship. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the impact that it makes and it not only helps the mentee, but the person doing the mentoring. I mean, because I mean, you can't put yourself first anymore. You got to think about somebody else. And that's hard to do. Sure. Every day battling that every day. So that's but what you I know, think. I don't know if you're you're familiar with Ayn Rand. You know who that is I she's don't think a she's a she's a philosopher, uh, a 20th, 20th century uh, philosopher who had a philosophy called objectivism, and it's that the pursuit of your self interest is a moral good and a moral necessity. Bear with me. I'm listening. Okay, so I would I would explain objectivism with philanthropy by saying you might be doing it because you get to impact community. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm just explaining this. I'm not saying this is this is the way you feel. But if you feel good about right. it and you continue to do it because it makes you feel right. good, then it's a self-interest. Absolutely agree. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So that's, that's, that's how I felt from it. Honestly, like it, I, it was good when I would do nonprofit work. I felt good about doing it. Sure. But what I really felt good about was the way it made me feel. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm glad I can impact you. That's right. But like the, the primary thing, if I'm 100% honest, sure. I like how I felt doing right. that. Right. But I think there's a time to where those two things become one, to where you're doing this for the community and 
you know, when you first start out, you do, you're, you feel good about yourself. You're like, look at me helping the community. You know, there's a Seinfeld episode where he's like talking to himself and he's like, look at me, look at what I've done. And then he goes, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) And I think about that a lot, but I feel like the more that you do and the more it becomes second nature, the more that you realize, like it it makes you feel good, but you know that you're, you're, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Well, and and also, once you get past that point of maybe having this realization, if it is a realization, who cares? <laughs> Truly. Who cares? Who cares? You know, just <laughs> like you're you're doing it. It's good for you. It's good for them. Right. Who cares? That's right. So. <laughs> and, and I think the thing that kills me the most is, you know, we, junior auxiliary, the women that we have are, are, are powerhouses. Truly. I mean. Is they, this an all women? All women. All okay. women. A hundred women. A hundred women. Is from that, Biloxi, Ocean Springs, Diaberville, St. Martin. It just landed on that number if that's what it has to be or um, what? It depends. You can kind of create your own numbers depending on, it's almost like supply and demand. So we got to 100 because of the projects we were doing and, you know, you have to fix that in your constitution and stuff like that. So we feel like 100 women, that's enough for us. Yeah. We feel like, you know, but there's some chapters that just have, you know, 20 or 10. I mean, it just depends. Okay. But when you have these women come together. And you, you get these ideas and you just, because a lot of them are teachers. A lot of them, like I said, we are with CASA, you know, the foster kids are, are in the medical profession yeah. where they know that, oh, junior auxiliary is a resource now and I can pass that on. So I feel like now hopefully the word of mouth is getting to the people it needs to get to, which it always has. But now, you know, there's so many other options out there for nonprofits. So rather than us sticking it by ourselves, let's team up with them. Let's host a food drive with them yeah. or let's do angel tree with them or, you know, the special needs organization. We do their Halloween dance with them. I mean, that's just that's a I, blast. And that's easy stuff to do. I think initiatives like One Coast help that right. as well. Sure. You know, like it says, look, these are not just this city's sure. problems. This is a coastal thing because people experience it. Very few people come come down to the Gulf Coast and stay in one city. Oh, absolutely. You know? So they, they're going to travel all over. So so we should be mutually invested right. in, in, in one another. And I think having the chambers, not just the Mississippi Gulf Coast Chamber of Commerce, but, you know, Hancock County and Jackson County and Ocean Springs, like all working together, it kind of just shows like, you know, we all offer different things and some similar things, but we come together as one coast at the end of the day. We're yeah. all trying to make a difference, you know, to make our businesses better, to provide them with the resources, to provide them with those contacts. So I think you're right. What does it mean for you to, to be in this organization that's just full of women? Refreshing. Okay. Very refreshing. How so? For, for many reasons, you know, you go through life, especially as a woman, and you deal with a lot of things, whether it's, and I think I... I'm not speaking for all women, but a lot of times you feel like you have to do everything a hundred times harder. You have to do everything to just prove that what you're doing is the right thing to do. And it's oftentimes really hard to find that voice in a crowd where you're dismissed pretty easily, you know, and that starts in, in, in elementary school that starts in middle school. At least it did for me. So being in a room full of women to where each voice, you know, that you can say, something completely outlandish that I might not agree with, but I'm going to listen to you and I'm definitely going to bring it to the table to know that what you say is just being brought to other people. That's what's refreshing. I'd say also it, it, you, you get to vacate the possibility of there being some sort of uh, the gender being a distraction. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you get to throw that out. Like that's, that's, that's to me about like, like what why, do you mean like a distraction? So, so if um, like, for example, if, if you're trying to bring up an idea and maybe if you're in a 
group of men and men don't 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 like the idea you have to contend with okay was it actually a good idea or was it because a woman said it that's 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 what i mean you get to throw one of those out like that exactly so that that leads to productive things and and very productive things so very productive and of course like any any organization that has some sort of meaningful moral foundation and in this case being productive as women for the pursuit of the community as women we're going right. to bring this to our right. to our community that that helps an organization in a major way you're absolutely right and i think the thing that you know I, I, the thing that really bothers me about when you know people say they work with women is the emotional aspect of it they're all emotional or they do things with emotion and what's the problem with that yeah, no, I, I'm. So I'm, I think no, I'm with you. I, oh, I know, but yeah. I'm saying, it, it, but it's still something that you have to battle. You know, do I think that should you just be careless and view things from just a purely secular view? And, and dep- do, you know, depending on where you're at, yeah. depending on where you're at. But the good, I think, going back to what you said about like why is it so important for junior auxiliary to be women? It's because we need that balance. There's going to be some women who can can be the analytical thinkers that don't really need that side, and then you have the side that can be the emotional side and say, well, what if we did it like this? And, you know, then you have those people that are like, well, we don't have the numbers for that. You're like, I definitely yeah. hear what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think a lot of times, like, especially in the professional world, we lose that emotional aspect. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should. I'm not saying that we should turn the volume up on it. I'm saying I don't see the problem in being yourself as long as being yourself is professional and you have that emotion aspect of it to where you can show your passion and you're not dismissed for it or you're not discredited because, you know, oh, it's too much. She's too much. I, I, I prefer working with women. Sure. I've, I've always preferred that. I've always preferred to be subordinate to a woman. I've always preferred to be, um, like, if, like if I had to pick, women have always balanced me out. Sure. You know what I mean? I can move way too quickly and irrationally at some, you know, I need to have somebody right. that I can bounce ideas off of. Women are generally more organized. You know what I mean? So where I also speak in pa- in a passionate way, right? And so that speaks, I think, to women because if sure. if we can presuppose that that maybe women are more emotional, again, what's the problem with that? For me, it works. It works for me because I communicate in that way. But I think the thing is, is like, for us, and once again, I'm not obviously speaking for all women, but right. I think as you know, an individual, when you hear these biases, and you say, "What in the world?" You can either accept that that's what they are, or you can just embrace them and say, yeah, you might think that, but let me show you why it's important for yeah. me to act this way or for me to be myself. You know, I've, I've had evaluations and stuff like that where they're like, you know, you come on a little strong. I certainly do. About I, things that are meaningful. Right. About yeah. things that are mean, I certainly do. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if I'm going somewhere and I'm doing something, I want people to know, I know exactly what I'm talking about, you know? And if that has an emotional aspect of it, I'm not going to cry. Learn my lesson from that. But... <laughs> You know, I think it's, I think it can only help us to embrace those things. You can definitely say that about me, but let me show you why it's a strength instead. And I think being in a room full of women to where you see, you know, somebody standing behind a podium, a woman standing behind the podium or a woman leading these projects or a woman volunteering over 120 hours of an entire year from May to April of her time. This woman I'm talking about has three kids, three children, and she's volunteering like that. If she can do it. 
Certainly I can. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly I can. So, but I mean, just being in a room with people who just motivate you, that's what's refreshing. Yeah. Whether they're women or not, you just get a breath of fresh air sometimes. And that's what I feel like we need. And it may be have lost in COVID because you weren't with those people anymore. And I don't know about you, but if, you know, Zoom, it's just, woo. Uh, it's, it's certainly not the same for me. No. You know, that, like um, there's been a number of interviews that, that I've wanted to do over Zoom and every single time, like, oh, just, I just can't do it. I need, I need this, you know, like I need to sit in front well, of somebody. Especially with you, like I, this is the more important thing. But with us with the, at the chamber, I mean, that's all we had was Zoom. Yeah. That's, that's all we had. That's all yeah. we, the way, the only way we can communicate with people. And especially, I mean, we worked remote from March to I think like August and it's for us, it was like, we were having to do stuff every day just to show people like, we're still here. Like, please use us. Don't just dismiss it away. Yeah. Let's all work together and figure out how we're going to do this. And Zoom was a huge part of that. But now that we're getting back into it, I'm hoping that we can just kind of phase it out. Well, and, and there's probably going to be a, a movement away uh, from the dependence on, on technology and the conduct of, of business. However, uh, early on, many businesses shifted and opened up an entire market that That's they right. didn't realize existed through pickup orders and That's things right. of that nature. That's right. So, and thank God they did. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I've been using the heck out of them. I'll yeah. say that mm-hmm. for sure. But I think it goes back to the adaptability of it all, you know, and you know, with Zoom, you definitely had that adaptability aspect to where if you couldn't go to something that day because you couldn't make the travel time, well, I'll just tune in on Zoom. So I can definitely see us like keeping like hybrid things, but you definitely miss the connection. Like, especially if you're listening to a speaker mm-hmm. or a CEO that comes in and is dedicating their time to this and you don't have the option to actually meet them in person. Well, it's, it's definitely been, been great that you guys have, have done that. I mean, you've, you've had some real talents on, on there oh, yeah. through, the, uh, through Zoom meetings. And there's one coming up today. Today's yep. the, what, 14th? That's right. 14th. Uh, Dan, is it Danielle or Danielle? Uh, Diana Scrimetti. Diana. 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 Diana, Diana Scrimetti. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's going to come in there and talk about imposter She syndrome. is. She is. That so. was one of the last events that I was prepping for, I think. Okay. And then we have the lottery coming June 10th, I think. The lottery? No, sorry. The Mississippi Gaming Commission. We already had oh, a lottery. Right, right, right. Mississippi Gaming Commission. But yes, yeah. She she actually used to work for the chamber. Really? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've you've got a lot of great resources on there, and um, I wanted to go to to to, to watch that one because mm-hmm. I think that I feel like I kind of have some of that because oh, especially absolutely. after the election, like the fact that people wanted to come on the show and this was just like a hobby. Like I was like, this is this is weird. And now you're a resource. You know? I guess, yeah. No, yeah. truly, because I messaged, um, you know, we, we Junior Auxiliary has a, a bunch of WhatsApps and each group. Anyways, I messaged our PR c- committee for the campaign that we're having this for 90 days. We'll talk about. But I said, you know, I'm going on Brian Belford's uh, Shop and Chivalry podcast. And somebody responded, I love that podcast. <laughs> I mean, like immediately. And I was like, wow, great. That's, so yes. you should know like that, like people like are listening and like using you as that resource, especially with all the people that the candidates you've had coming on. And I mean, it's so great to hear. Honestly, true. You sh- surely you know that it scares you to death. Yeah, no. yeah. Because it's like, and, and and it's something that that I know is a good thing. Um, but but it's like, I feel a weight to some degree because now it's like, okay, people enjoy this. I need to make sure I get it right. You I know? can see that. So so like early on, I was like, nah, good enough. You know, but but like I, I spent a lot more time in editing now and and oh, and, oh. and making sure everything's you poor good thing. to go. And I'm trying to schedule properly because before it was like, hey. 
Are you busy? Hey. You, you want to come talk to me? It's kind of like we've been like, you know, I, I told him like, you want to come? We can, we can have some beers, uh, whatever you want. I hope y'all did. I mean, no, no, no. no y'all did it. I, I well, he did. would taste uh, James on the rocks though. So. Okay. All right. Well, well, we should have him in for this, but. Uh, we well, will yeah. definitely come in and talk about how opposites attract for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. That'll be a blasty blast for sure. Poor thing. Probably couldn't get a word in. So, <laughs> but at least I'm aware of that. Yeah, and now I I had a teacher in grad school uh, tell me one time because once again I I come off kind of strong or you know kind of passionate and she said, um, before you answer a question, why don't you wait ten seconds and see if anybody else does? And I'm like, definitely, I hear you. How? <laughs> However, so the first time you did that though, I'll be, because, because I'm sure you tried it. How long was that ten seconds though? I may have counted to ten, but internally the it, clock was an hour, yes, at like, minimum an hour. <laughs> And I did it and nobody answered. And I'm like, this is exactly why I'm doing it because I cannot sit in a stale classroom. Yeah. I, I never have. And I used to, I had this teacher at Gulf Coast, Jason Shouse. He was a history teacher and he would give you extra credit if you read your paper out loud. And I did every time. And my friend Hell Travis, yeah. do you know Travis Martino by any chance? I don't, don't think I do. He's the best, but he would get so irrationally angry with me that I would read my papers at the end of class for extra credit because it was lunchtime every single time. So that's what I think about when I'm like, you know what? Wait 10 seconds. No, I think I'll get the extra credit and read it out loud. Nope, I'm going to get the extra credit. And I won the history award that year. So you won the history award. Oh yeah. What's the history award? I was the, his favorite. I'm sure. In oh, class. Okay. Got Something it. like that. Or, or it had the best papers. Surely an oral presentation every Friday, you know, <laughs> Maybe I was just the most engaged. Who knows? Probably. Probably so. Probably definitely that. <laughs> and I have no regrets about that. No regrets. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> my, ne my next feature, because, you know, this is my last year in junior arts. They're like, I'm really thinking about branching out and just creating my own music. And, you know. <laughs> you can edit that out. I won't. I just want to see your face. I want to see if your lips purse together. And they did. <laughs> I will tell you, I was in a few musicals. They weren't that great for me, but I tried. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I definitely tried. My parents told me I had a good singing voice. And then you'd listen to the recording and you'd say, God bless them. We met potential. We met potential. I love that. Just I'm kidding. taking that. I am taking that. I might get it tattooed even. Yeah. I might. But, you know, the work, like I said, especially with women, because, you know, I've... I've been working since I was 18 and I've only had two women bosses. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And throughout my time as a, from kindergarten through college, I've only actually had two black professors. So I was thinking about that the other day and they just yeah. happen to be black women. So interesting. Very. And I don't know if that's like a, I don't know if that's like a Southern thing or if like other people have experienced that, like what, did you notice anything? I mean, like, did you have any male teachers at school besides like your football coach who obviously probably taught history? All my football coaches were white. Mm. My basketball coaches were white. I think that says more about Ocean Springs. And once again, like maybe yeah. that's just like the demographic you're in. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, I got my master's degree in higher education with an emphasis in student affairs, meaning that I wanted to work in a college setting and I wanted to work with co developing college students age, 
18 through however old, even non-traditional students. And a lot of that, you have to do a lot of self-reflecting and understanding your biases. So when you're, you know, trying to develop these students, you understand like what your biases are and confronting them and trying to understand why they're there. And so my teacher asked me, she asked me how many black women had ever taught me. And she was black. And I said, just one. And it was an elective class. Hmm. So there's a there's a racial disparity report that came out for the Air Force and it highlighted that there's disparity in, in lots of things from uh, the way Article 15s are given out, Article 32 court martial hearings, uh, the way um, blacks are less likely to take advantage of educational opportunities within the Air Force, hmm. which will lead to them being promoted. And those, those are the ones that are really interested to me because there's no, there's obviously no race requirement for that. You know, it's purely on, do you, do you meet the qualifications? You can go. That's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it, it seems to me that they're not willing to take the opportunity to do that. And this exists uh, on the enlisted side versus the obviously more educated officer side. Sure. And when you say, when you say that, um, you've never had, or you've only had two mm -hmm. black professors, mm -hmm. right? I hear that, and I and I want to come to the same conclusion that I came, or what I think might be the cause of these individuals in the military not taking advantage of, of those opportunities, and that it's an institutional thing, and an institution that's been predominantly white, and they might and they've been raised to not trust institutions, and so why then would they trust? The institution that that would give them the trappings that the institution says it will you know what i mean so 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 i guess what i'm saying is that it could be the case that the the professors don't want to work at a predominantly white school they'd rather right. go to like place where sure the race an is HBCU. not an issue exactly yeah. exactly so i don't again just a passing thought i'm not sure but and i, I see that too i see that too but I, I do think you're right. And I think that's why, like, you know, organizations like the Legacy Business League and things of that nature are so important because it shows the representation of, like, these powerful, powerful people. And especially, like, the kids, like, you know, at the Boys and Girls Club and stuff. You know, they come in and, we you know, they talk to them about, you know, getting jobs and, like, just mentoring them and just, you know, and just having that representation. Because I know for me, I mean, I, I thought it was Ariel for the longest time, the mermaid. Okay. And, you know, and then you look back and you see Tiana was the first black princess and for a majority of the movie, she's a frog. Oh, no, I didn't. Wait, what? T from Princess and the Frog? Tiana? I don't think I've seen that one. <gasps> a, a fantastic movie. But once again, the first black uh, Disney princess and for, I would say, 90% of the movie, she's a frog. And not a black woman, but. Odd. Yes, but. How much, how much stock should we put into that as a children's movie? Like, is there like a honest question, okay. honest question, you know, like it is, it is a kid's movie. Mm -hmm. Is that indicative of, of, of something greater in your, in your opinion? Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. A hundred percent. I mean, I had a fantastic childhood, truly, but a lot of my stuff, like my memories come from you know, being represented almost. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like seeing these movies and relating to them, I couldn't imagine not seeing myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, that African-American children don't see themselves in those, but could you imagine the impact that in like 1991, it would have been to have a black Disney princess the entire time on a movie instead of, you know, 
a redheaded one, even though I was very happy about that. Right. <laughs> but still, I, I do think because we they play pretend all the time. All the time. Like yesterday, my nephew, Clayton, he uh, was <laughs> filling up a, his fake car with gas, with fake gas at daycare. Where did he find it? I hear they're out everywhere. <laughs> I know, right? We were like, did he hear about the gas shortage and like, did, like in passing? Yeah. Was he like, pouring it in through plastic <laughs> <He was>. bag? <laughs> <laughs> and putting it in his truck and then getting in a car crash. Yeah. But the kids, he got hit in the nose by one of these kids that were playing superheroes. So, I mean, like they know, and I was like, they're four years old and they know what superheroes are. I mean, and duh, but at the same time, like they see themselves in those characters. How how many, how many people would it have changed if in the '90s and even in the early 2000s, there would have been more black representation on kids shows and you know kids movies, especially especially a dids a kids Disney princess movie. I don't I don't deny that that well I don't deny any of that obviously uh, it, it, it's it's I guess when this question comes up for me I think about the beautiful thing about children is that they don't understand that. At some point down the road, society might organize them in terms of the way they look, which is out of their control. Sure. They don't see that. They see an individual. That's my buddy. That's my friend. You know, the only thing they see is like girls and boys. Oh, you got cooties, that sort of thing. My experience. But like when I was younger, I remember, I remember this. I remember being in seventh grade and I was sitting at, uh, I was sitting at a lunch table. I know exactly where, where we're sitting. Everybody that was around, there was a black kid, there was, there was, an Hispanic kid, and then white kids. And one of the white kids asked if any of us were going to Black Spring Break. And it's the first time I'd ever heard of it, mm-hmm. right? And even the black kid was like, no, I'm not going to that, you know? Like, and, 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 and we're in seventh grade. Like, we don't know anything about this, this sort of thing. Like, and we just think like, okay, well, maybe this could be fun, you know? But again, it, it, it was never really a thing where, it's not that we couldn't see race. We weren't conscious of... See, the topic of race as being some sort of oppressive thing. I feel like we weren't. Sure. But from from experience and like talking to my friends, I mean, they were. Are you are you just uh-huh. regardless of race, like I think I guess it just depends, you know, we talked earlier about maybe it's maybe it's just a demographic thing of the city you're in where you're all white teachers, but I definitely think that race begins extremely early where you can identify that Mm. extremely early. Yeah. I, I I wonder, I'd, I'd I'd certainly like to do some more reading on it. Um, but I, I, again, I don't know. Um, it, it, it certainly seems, it certainly seems plausible for sure. The thing is though, like, you you know, we're talking about this and the whole time we're talking, I'm like, my experiences will never compare. and, and, And what I've experienced will never, I'll never understand you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, for me, I think realizing your race as a white person is completely different than realizing that as a black person or even Hispanic. It's a process that everybody goes through, right. but they're different processes. It's very different. Obviously. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And even talking about it, you're kind of like, should, should I be talking about this? Do I even have the authority to talk about this? Look, this, this is probably the second or third time out of the 30 some odd episodes that I've had where, where I've, I've, uh, where race has come up. Sure. And, and every time, like, I do want to say it's odd that two white people are talking about this. No, I, and, and <laughs> I you know, I, I have this conversation a lot. Yeah. I, I'm very, I am very comfortable in the uncomfortable of talking yeah. about race and identifying 
and this is going to probably trigger some people, my white privilege. I'm fully aware of that, especially it, it goes back to college too. I am, a, I identify as a feminist. I do. Okay. Um, and I've had to write papers on that. And I had a professor push me and say, are you just looking through the lens of a white woman? And that was the first time that I'd ever identified feminism through race too. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. I, you know, that was, I was like 23 or something. Well, but when, still. when you were writing the, the paper, were you writing with the intention of talking about all women? Because in the, con- in the context of just feminism, sure. though you're not talking about any specific race, you're talking from a perspective that transcends all races exactly. because feminism does, right? Because a woman, a Hispanic woman. That's right. It, yeah, exactly. So. And I think that's what turns papers into books. Because is, is, is when you expand to exactly. the different perspectives. Oh, exactly. Sure. Yeah, because, I that. mean, you know, especially after leaving grad school, you're like, there are so many different facets of this. There are so many different lenses of this, yeah. of the things that I didn't even touch on. And I, I could have said so much more. I mean, I got A's, but yeah. at the same time, it's, I think at the end of the day, like you're still saying like, I, you could have done more. Maybe that goes back to the nonprofit stuff where you're like, you, you could have like said more, even though nobody's reading that. <laughs> and you're just you know, like doing it to like understand yourself, but still, you know, yeah. but I no <laughs> two white people talking about this stuff. I think... Uh, I want to, important's not the right word, but I think it's okay. Because, I mean, you know, we understand, like, what we're talking about, and we, you know, understand, I think especially well, from a nonprofit community. as far as we community, know, we can understand. Exactly. Yeah. From, from our experiences. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know, I don't speak for, I literally only speak for me most of the time. Right. So, especially coming from a place where, you know, we are servicing all children, every single child, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless yeah. of how they identify, like, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. And I think at the end of the day to understand those biases and to understand like, especially what went, what you went through as a child, you know, yeah. and understanding that. Well, the, I've tried to make this show something where we can have those talks. The whole point of the bottom word, yeah, true. chivalry, you know, yeah. is being able to, to, to embark and confront these kind of dark topics with, with the, with the strength to get through them properly. Right. Um, with resolve, but with respect of the individual and the ideas sure. that are actually presented. So I, I definitely try to make it a, a place where that can, that can happen. Um, yeah. I tell people the only time I think I may have felt racism is on the basketball court. Huh. And, and, and that's just, it's, it's a common thing. Any, any white guy who's ever like tried to really compete in, in, in basketball, you go into a gym, there's uh, 10 people playing back and forth, four, four people on the court. You walk in, you find the guy who's the team captain for the next game. Like, hey, can I run with you? You know, right? As your fifth, and and they go, no, I'm going to pull somebody off the court. Right. So what do they do in that moment? But judge me by the way I look. Now I'm a decent basketball player. All right. Um, and then of course, what ends up happening is like some guy comes in the gym that's out of shape. He's black. They they pick him up. I get it. I don't like it. Okay. But I'm angry in that moment. Very very angry. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that team wins because I'm going to get on court and I'm going to punish that guy. So that's my perspective for the way that he made me feel. Sure. So when I hear things, and Obama put it into perspective following the uh, Trayvon Martin tragedy where mm-hmm. he said things like, you know, he could have been my son. Or the thing that put it into perspective for me was I know what it's like to walk through the parking lot of a grocery store and hear locks yeah. lock as I walk by. Greg. You know, yeah, I know. Uh, but that's, you know, that's, that's the reality for somebody. And, and it's, it's those, that imagery, I think that 
at least for me, connects mm-hmm. with me. Sure. But I'll also say that you can't talk about Mississippi history without having the discussion about black and white. Absolutely not. It's not possible. It's not. You know, from wade-ins on the Gulf Coast to the story of 12 Oaks here in Ocean right. Springs. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, as, as nonprofit organizations, you have to understand that. You have to understand, you know, the, the race theory of it all, really. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you really do encounter every single child that you come in contact with has a completely different story. Like I said earlier, we have some that's like, it's very like happy go lucky and we don't, we don't dive into that. And then we have others where, you know, we're asking these kids like to confront like whether or not they've, they've experienced abuse mm. or whether or not they've, you know, encountered these types of interactions. So there's a documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. You might know what I'm talking about, but it was an Hispanic child that uh, teachers reported that he was abused and everything. He was in, he ended up being locked in like a cupboard and whatnot, abused to the point where like he had broken ribs, oh. everything else, and just link after link in the you know Department of Children's Services out there. Yes, I know exactly what documentary you're talking okay. about. Okay, yeah, tragic, uh, awful, disgusting. Yeah. What role does a nonprofit play in in preventing something like that? Mm. I guess it's a tough question because they would have to have access, right? And they don't. Yeah. And but but linking, but maybe the idea of linking the nonprofit to the school system might be an avenue. Linking the nonprofit to the school system, which we do through what we call school aid. So if a counselor comes in contact with a child or even a parent who needs clothes, we have $100 per student. We'll buy them underwear, backpacks, T-shirts, okay. pants, uniforms, whatever they need. Whatever they need, we cover it. That's one avenue. And then, you know, I talked earlier about how us working with, you know, the kids in court care with CASA, with the advocates, you know, that's... We don't really interact with the kids except on adoption day where okay. we, we have this like huge party mm-hmm. with cake and, you know, these kids get adopted and we get to interact with them. But other than that, amazing. you know, but a lot of this stuff, you know, I was asking about percentages in Jackson County and, you know, it, for foster care. And a lot of that they couldn't give me because of confidentiality stuff, like even percentages. So wow. okay. I, it's, it is difficult, but these community resources that are offering to these students, by allowing us to work with them like that, I think that just helps us realize like what, who's in our community. Cause I mean, all of us, every single woman in there has the opportunity and the accessibility to, you know, help in some way and are not in that position most of the time that of the children that we're helping. So I think for us being able to step out and see that some of these kids are going through that is what we need. Cause I, I wouldn't experience that on a day to day basis. Yeah. Not certainly not. I live sure. right by Biloxi Upper Elementary, and then, like, Nativity is, like, two blocks away. I mean, I, I wouldn't see any of that yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. But these teachers would. These teachers would. These counselors would. For sure. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely what that what that documentary highlights, and I wish I knew what it was called. I know exactly which one you're talking yeah. about. It's his name. Yes. His name is the documentary. I think so. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh these teachers kept on, kept on reporting it, and, and it's one of those things where I think you just, like, you need to do a better job of, of – actually taking it seriously and, and, and investigating. And, and, and of course, one of the things that was troubling is the counselors were calling the mom and the mom was saying, no, 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 it's fine. He got into a fight or whatever. You need to consider the fact that it's in their best interest to get you away from seeing the child. So then you should build the system, I think, on the presupposition that, that they're going to do their best to deter you and you need to do your best to actually see that child and put eyes on the child. But I think, I think the protocols in place for teachers is to contact you know, not CASA, but 
No, I'm, I mean the Department of Children's Services. They just made they they just made phone calls. Like I think they made one one house no. call, one or two house what? calls. And yeah, I, I think I think I know what you're talking about. I don't think they just went in the living room or something or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they exactly. didn't like they do didn't the explore. whole house. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And there's no telling what's lurking behind that closed door. And they didn't document properly, you know, all Ooh, that stuff. No, yeah. and I mean, that, that brings yeah. us back to what happened a few days ago with that little kid getting in the police fire. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then three days after that, two people arrested in Socher for um, felony child abuse of a three-month-old. Heard about that one, too. I mean, just, but this is the, this is, you know, people are like, it's awful. But it's happening. It's still happening. Mm-hmm. A three-month-old. Yeah. Well, if, if we can move to the chamber, let's move. Okay, okay. Let's, let's move. Let's let's move the chamber here. So, uh, first of all, why why is there a Gulf Coast chamber when each city has their own chamber of commerce? Like, why does that exist? What's From the my point? understanding, it happened after Hurricane Katrina. Okay, it was the Biloxi Chamber, mm-hmm. and after Hurricane Katrina, obviously the coast was kind of wrecked. So they brought in the others, you know, past Christian, Long Beach, and Gulfport, and just decided to do one. You know, the board of the directors, let's make it one. Okay, you know, and then. I'm not sure when the other chambers are founded, so I can't really speak for them. But, uh, you know, we have people that ha- are a part of every chamber, and then we have some that are just a part of ours. So we all offer different things, but, you know, the same too sometimes. I gotcha. <laughs> so so what's the role of a chamber of commerce? So uh, the mission of the Mississippi Gulf Coast Chamber of Commerce, which I think really sums up what a chamber of commerce is, is to connect, inform, advocate, and develop for all businesses that are part of our chamber, obviously. So connecting you with the businesses that'll help you or with the people that'll help you get above and then informing you of things that are coming up, different legislation. You know, we have a pre-legislative briefing next week coming up where, you know, we ask them questions about different legislation, what they talked about, the post, I mean, different kinds of stuff. And then advocating. So like we advocated for the state flag to change. So we do that not on behalf of the businesses, but just showing like that's the chamber support. And you know, the BP oil spill, we had a big deal with that. So that's kind of like the advocacy part of it. And the developing, which is where I kind of come in with the events to really help shape you as a professional, whether that's like helping you learn like crazy Excel stuff or understanding like search engine optimization or mm-hmm. getting connected with women educating, enriching, and engaging where you're around these other women entrepreneurs. In, engaging a, uh, a, a generation, millennials or exactly. Gen Z. I think I saw that video yes. on there too. Yes, and we have, um, it was Mark, Marketing to Generation Z. That's what it was. And that was uh, interesting. If you're wanting to market to, market to Generation Z, you go on Instagram. Yeah. Don't bother with Facebook. Fair Which enough. is understandable because, I mean, Facebook is for the olds now, I guess. <laughs> is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did a presentation at um, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College uh, for their leadership conference, and it was about social media etiquette. And I talked about four, four social media channels. I talked about Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn because they don't know what LinkedIn is and they need one. And I was like, so which one do you use most often? And they were like, Snapchat. I was like, y'all still use Snapchat? <laughs> They're like, yes, it's like messaging and stuff. And I said, I had no idea. Every single one of them said that they use Snapchat all the time. And that's when I felt old. Wow. That is when I felt it, old. It's, it's just, it's so much to keep up with. It's, I don't have the energy for that anymore. Yeah, I've, I've thought about hiring somebody to handle the social media for the podcast. <laughs> Do it if you have the you know capability. Yeah, why not yeah. take some of that stress off you? Maybe that'll help with some of the scaries with you know being a resource for Ocean Springs now. Oh, I don't know. I gotta expand. I gotta move out. <laughs> Next stop, mm, Blexi. Yeah, I'm just gonna slowly permeate all the cities. But um, if anybody could do it, it's you. You think? Absolutely. Oh, I appreciate that. 100. percent We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Like you, what you said. You started out as a hobby, and now look at you. I mean, 
I mean, it's still a hobby. It's just a more well-known hobby. A more (laughs) well-known hobby, but you're also learning something new every single day. Yeah, that is true. I mean, all this has been kind of self-taught and I've, I've gotten, so there's another guy I I got to uh, start a podcast. And so he's been, he's been doing that in Korea. Actually, okay, yeah. you've gone international now. Yeah, no big deal. What's his chivalry I'm shop? Actually, <laughs> 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 so his last name is John Taishu, spelled T I S U E, right? Okay. And so I came up with his name, and, and it was I think it's I'm um, ready for it. Let me hear. Have a Taishu podcast, like have a tissue. Brian, <laughs> you would, you yeah. would, yeah, you would. And how's that going for him? Really well, actually. Really well. So, so who does he have on? Uh, so, so he does primarily military. So senior, um, senior leaders. Oh, in nice. Military. Yeah. So he's, he's been, he's been doing pretty well. And how's but, Korea with the COVID stuff? Uh, you know, I actually have not talked to him about that. I'm, I'd be kind of curious because I think Korea was pretty strict initially, right? Oh and yeah. They got it under control, oh, yeah. right? They were the one of the ones that we were like, oh, we should, we should have done that. Yeah. That's, yeah, we should have done that. <laughs> but you know, I got my vaccine yesterday. My first one. Okay. Me and Ben both. Nice. And I woke up this morning. And I was like, "Oh, my arm." Were you having to wait because of the pregnancy? I did wait for the pregnancy because um, when they started the trials on the pregnant um, pregnant women, I was in month seven, and I was like, "I'm just not gonna I have two more months." Yes. Yeah, so I talked to um, a pediatrician, and he was like, "Yeah, go ahead," because you know I'm breastfeeding too. So he was like, "You'll oh, be yeah. transferred to her." Oh really? Oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. So I was like, "Let's do it." Yeah. And if she becomes a mutant. I hope it's Mystique. It's Mystique. I hope so. <laughs> She's like the best one, right? Or Storm. I really like Storm too. Yeah, I'm. I, I was a fan of uh, the um, Nightcrawler. Ew. Yeah. N- Why? Being able to move from place could, to place. I guess. Yeah, he just he, he could like see somewhere he wants. Right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I get it now. I, so, mm-mm. do you remember the first X Men movie? What, like, are we talking about like the X Men with Patrick Stewart? Are we talking yeah. about okay? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, do you remember that scene where they're they're in the place where Wolverine got like his claws right, done right. and all that stuff, and then they've got children down in like a basement area? Yes. Okay. There's a scene. There's a scene where uh, it's Storm and somebody else, and they're in there with the kids, and the camera's facing like you'd be Storm, I'd be the other person. The camera is facing just sure, like this. Sure. There's a shadow right here. He's standing right there. Uh uh-uh. You can see his eyes. No. You can see his eyes, and he's supposed to be up top. They got the, they got the filmography wrong. Yeah, I promise you, you need to go. I and, gotta go watch. Yeah. Well, number one, I love Patrick Stewart. Okay. <laughs> so any I can't believe he watch- wasn't in Harry Potter. If there's any person, a, a travesty. Or, yeah. A, an absolute travesty. Yeah, for I, sure. He could have been anything. I don't yeah. care what he would have been. Yeah. I mean, did but I like? What's dumb- a better well-known Brit that? Besides you know, Maggie. I don't know who Maggie is. What, Professor McGonagall. Oh, yeah, yeah. She is pretty well-known, too. But the Spice Girls are probably the most famous Brits. Well, used to be. Now it's Megan and Harry. <laughs> and Archie. Yeah. And whatever the little girl's going to be. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But, Ryan, I have to talk about the Junior Auxiliary campaign we're having, though. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. They'll Please kill do. me. Yeah, They'll yeah, kill yeah. me. Because yeah. I, I was like, when we were talking just then, I was like, oh, my God, I haven't said one reason of how we're able to fund any of these projects. You did say that... 
you're doing this 90 day campaign, yes. right? And, and and then I thought, okay, great. I know we have to talk about that. So, and then we talked about. <laughs> but I like how our minds both work on a timeline. Yeah, yeah you know, for sure. We get it. Yeah. So it's normally if this was a regular year and COVID didn't absolutely like just destroy the world and everything we knew about it, uh, we would usually host what we call a gala for the kids. And it would be at the Beauvage and it's like this huge spectacle. You know, we sell out all these tables. We have a great night, dancing, food. And we talk about, you know, our projects and we have a silent auction and stuff like that. Couldn't do that this year because the Beauvage, I mean, they're just now getting back to where yeah. they're having stuff again. So we said, well, what can we do? So our finance um, chairman, Lauren Johnston, she works over the aquarium. Okay. She said, let's do like a 90 day campaign. And each of us will have like our own donation page, almost like our own GoFundMe. And you can donate to that page, but it's all of your, I think it's the easiest way to describe it is, you know, what can I do to make sure that my money is going back to the children in this community rather than donating to some, some major nonprofits, you know, yeah. this goes directly to the children. So I mentioned earlier with school aid, you know, for a hundred dollars, if you donate a hundred dollars, that goes to one student to provide them uniforms, underwear, toothbrush, backpack, things that they don't have because they're either displaced or they just moved here, which reminds me of a, a little testimonial. I did a school aid purchase one time and we actually dropped them off to the school. We, we never meet the kids or the parent. And, you know, I was just asking, do, does she need anything else? Like shoes, anything like that. I'll purchase it out of my own pocket. And the girl was telling me, that they were living in a house that was above the ground and that they were being slowly electrocuted through their floor and they had no idea. What? Yes. Slowly, the girl kept getting sick and sick. They couldn't figure out what was going on. Something about the way the wiring was set up, it was coming through the floor. So every time they would step on the floor, they were being slowly electrocuted. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? Well, yeah, for sure. And Knowing about electricity, I'm very interested. I know nothing about electricity. Okay. But when she told me this, floored, I said, what? And they were like, yeah, she's, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Slowly being electrocuted. I don't know how that works. No, I mean, well, I don't know what's, what's conductive on the ground. I mean, what, what type of flooring is, is conductive? Listen, I was so agaped, agooped, that <laughs> I literally heard that and I said, does she need new shoes? <laughs> does she need a carpet? <laughs> or does that make it worse? So, the so, socks? Like, <laughs> I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> the floors, the like the floors not lava. The floors electricity, and you're like, ah, oh, well, we but can't. What is like, worse? Like your suggestion of the shoes is like, ah, oh, well, you know, obviously can't do anything about that. Like what? <laughs> but, I mean, fixing oh, that's a non-starter. So we just go with the shoes. I mean. But oh, she's get them LA lights because they'll get real bright. Oh, my. but that's how you test it. That's it. Let's get them the bright up one, lighter ones. Uh, they step on the floor. If it lights up, we know. I looked for these shoes recently. Did you? Yeah, LA lights. Trying to find a find some light. Look, I figure if Amazon if all didn't these have it. Styles, they did. All I these styles, <laughs> but but they weren't the LA gear ones. Uh, oh, all these styles okay. are coming back in. I thought, like, I mean, would somebody even blink an eye if like kids are high school kids are wearing mullets now? I know. Me walking around with with. With some light-up shoes. Is that weird? The mullets are coming back, and the Aquanut hair for women is going to come back. Yeah, yeah. I, I walked out of TatoNet when it was still open, and I was walking in the car, and I, and I kept looking at this high school kid. And I'm sitting in the car with the wife, and I'm about to turn the car on. I'm like, I need to tell that kid how good his mullet looks. I mean, I was literally, like, in awe of how good it looks. Ooh, what was that? Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that weird. me? Is it because of that light blinking? Are we being yeah. slowly electrocuted through the floor, Brian? <laughs> no, but that's some interference. Here, let me turn that off.
what if that kid was being haunted by a ghost that is now following me? And now they're trying to- I love everything you're saying. I know. I know. Do I believe it? No. Should we break out the Ouija board? I don't have one. Well, then why would you- Luckily, no one- (laughs) (laughs) I've been keeping this around. I've never done one just because I'm like, what if- So I did. And? So I did it, and I was in maybe, I know I was in middle school, and I was being watched, um, I was being babysat, yeah, being watched. I was like, sorry, wait. sorry, <laughs> what? <laughs> phrasing, Brian, okay, phrasing. Okay, okay, phrasing, okay. phrasing, okay, So, uh, yeah, anyway, we, um, she broke it out, just had it in her car. And Your babysitter did? Yeah. That's pretty good and, for her. And so, we go moving around, and it's going in circles, right? Uh, and she told me, it's like, okay, so you have to go in circles and then it just stops and it stopped. And then she's like, ask a question. And I said, uh, are you real? And it moved over to yes. And I pulled my hands off. I was like, I, I, can't, I, I, I got like, I'm not I, trying to get possessed. I teared up. Like it, it was, too. it freaked me out. And to this day, I'm like, well, she was probably actually just, just moving. But it. you can't confirm I that. I can't, can't, can't confirm Cannot confirm. You cannot confirm that. Yeah. Nope, nope. nope. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, so I did that. Uh, See, uh, I don't have the best luck. So I just feel like if I ever used one, I would just be asking for it. (laughs) Absolutely asking for it. Uh, We literally talked about demon possession, me and Ben and his sister yesterday. So the fact that this is coming up again, I'm like. Well, what was that conversation like? We don't have to get into it. Well, what I'll else tell about because it's yeah. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, tell me more about this. Uh, oh, the campaign. Yeah, about the campaign. So that's how we fund all these projects okay. that are like super important. You know, I talked about our I Matter project, which is our child welfare, which is the one that the national organization requires you to have a child welfare project. So mm. we take on five families, and like I said, we help them with their finances, like help them balance the books, help them with their homes. Do they need beds, jobs, interviewing skills, all that stuff? And I mean, we have a member for each family that stays in contact with them for. Two years, pretty much. So that this all the money that we gather from the community goes right back into the community, essentially. Because I know a lot of times, like especially if you're like moving to Ocean Springs or even Biloxi, you know, you see these kids and you're like, "How can I get back? What can I do?" And it's literally as easy as going to jboss.org, j-a-b-o-s.org, and you'll see a link for our campaign, or go to our Facebook page because it's all over that too. But we would love your help. We would love your support. It's ninety days, and we have different sponsorship levels too. Depending on how you sponsor, we were actually, you know, teamed up with Lamar Billboards to get a billboard. Well, and and a lot of people do sponsor. Oh yeah, your stuff. So, oh, yes. um, you know, it's 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 kind of it, it. It almost seems like it might be kind of competitive. I wouldn't say competitive because yeah. there's plenty of room from everybody now sure. that we're not having to have tables anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but it it does make us feel, you know, it's kind of one of those things like you want to ask businesses to help you out after everything, and it's like. We need help, though, too. We do. We can't go another year without fundraising. We yeah. can't. I mean, it just wouldn't be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we served over 13,000 kids. Imagine what we could do if we raised, you know, normally we raise about 120 to 150. If we even met our goal of 150 this year, which I'm fully aware that I, I fully think that we will just because we are fired up about this. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that literally will fund hundred percent fund every single project. And we would not have to worry about whether or not our school aid funds would run out to where we would have to pay for clothes, which we would absolutely do if it came down to it. Mm. But that's just part of it. Wow. That's part of the things, you know, with a nonprofit, the fundraising comes with it. And I say that to say that we are very cognizant of the year that it's been for these businesses. And so 
us asking them for money kind of feels strange, but also kind of like, Hey, you've always helped us. How can we yeah. help you? And if you give us this, we'll, we'll advertise on that, you know, just trying to figure out like what we can do. Mm-hmm. You know, like you talk about, like you have people come on here. It's like a trade, you know, cause you're learning stuff and they're coming on here to promote their stuff. That's kind yeah. of like what this is for us. Oh, for sure. You know, you give us money. And then if you see a kid at ocean Springs, Biloxi, Diaberville, St. Martin, Van Cleve, all these other places, we'll market wearing clothes. You probably bought those clothes. So, so how can people, I, I think you said you're going to set up basically like a GoFundMe and. Well, it's, they're called campaign pages. Okay. And so if you know somebody in junior auxiliary, sh- surely by now they've posted about their campaign page, but basically you click the link and it's on our website too. Jboss, J-A-B-O-S, 2021.givesmart.com. Okay. So that's where you can go and like actually donate the money and like see like what we're doing and stuff. But each person, each member has a campaign page to where they have goals set for themselves. So like if you want to raise $2,000, you can set that goal. It's kind of like a GoFundMe. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're doing for that aspect. And, you know, then we still have the sponsorships to where, you know, we'll get T-shirts, logos, mm-hmm. billboards, stuff like that. You know, just trying to figure out what can we do? Yeah. What can we do to say thank you for everything? Because, I mean, we've done so well in the past with fundraising. That's how we were able to go through 2020 like that. But I don't want to have to keep doing that. Right, right. Well, well, what can I do? What can you do? Yeah. I well, mean, do you want to donate money? I mean, I can do that, but uh, or what about the show? Absolutely. What do you want to do? Well, what do y'all need? I mean, uh, talking about the campaign yeah. would be great. Okay. It's until the end of um, July. I almost said May, but my brain doesn't work anymore, obviously, because of the baby. I fully believe that she got all brain cells. <laughs> talking to you today, I don't think that's the case, but. <laughs> Maybe 10%. Maybe 10%. But, I mean, you can donate. I mean, little as, you know, 25 bucks goes a long way. Because, I mean, we do a lot of stuff to where, you know, I talked about the shelter a little bit. We provide crafts for them. So, on Tuesdays, we'll bring a craft and we'll bring snacks. And Nukes generally donates the snacks, generously donates the snacks every single Tuesday. So, God bless them. But we have to pay for the crafts. That's 25 bucks. Right there. Do y'all directly solicit from, say, Walmart or Sam's? Yes. Under, okay. And, mm-hmm. and you get those... It just depends. most of the time or it just depends on what they can do but like so each member has to sign up for a business if that makes sense okay so then they can solicit from those businesses because we don't want five people going to i see right, you know, right right okay the same person and yeah, asking for money like it reminds me of like back in the day when you used to have to sell yearbook ads did mm. you do you know what i'm talking about yes yes yep. that's exactly what this reminds me of but like the same people would keep like poor pizza in and wiggins like, yeah <laughs> Which was like the place to go because yeah. they all they always supported. But I mean, I'm sure they got hit up like six different times for your I'm sure ads. they did, yeah. And I'm yeah. sure they loved it because I mean, I'm sure we got a pizza buffet out of it. Wiggins yeah. has blown up though, haven't we? Because uh, we went camping at Flint Creek uh, not last weekend, but the weekend prior. I live I right next door to Flint Creek. That's where oh, my parents you? live. Hmm? Like on that same road. So you know where Flint Creek is? The next road. Okay, so okay. There's got a it. neighborhood like right to the left. Gotcha. And then so, we can walk in our backyard and there's the uh, water park. So there's a house before it on the left up on a hill. It yes, used to have on the right hand side. Left hand side if you're going towards Flint Creek and Flint Creek's on the left. It's on right. the same side. And it's, it's up a cabin on a hill. store? No, 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 no. It's a it, it's a house on a corner and it used to have like an open bay garage, but now it has a garage door. Um, I knew some lady that lived in Who? there. Her name was Melanie uh, Ladner. I'm trying to think of this house. On the left. Yeah. Before the cabin store? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, my, that's my old stopping grounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that place. I would love for them to have a junior auxiliary because I feel like they would just rock it. 
I mean, it wouldn't, I don't know if it would be 100 people, but. No, probably not. Well, not initially, but then again, it might surprise you because, again, that, like that that area is kind of blown up. It really you has. Know, so. You know, my uh, my mom and Ben's mom went up there, or Sulin, Ben's mom came up there for a day, and she came back. She was like, we went everywhere. <laughs> we went to Jack's Plant Patio. We went to Southern Pearls. We went and got coffee. I had the best day. And I'm like, if you would have said any of those names about 10, 15 years ago, I would not know what you're yeah. talking about. Not what, a chance. No. Not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah, Wiggins was like, I mean, there was, there was like... There was that burger place that was there. Wards. Wards. Thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That. <laughs> and then uh, I'd, I'd go there for Perk Beach and Flint Creek. And that was oh, it. Oh, Perk Beach. Yeah. Man. Good, <laughs> Good time. time. Good time. I only went to Perk Beach when I was at Perk. And okay. probably twice. Probably twice. That's yeah. It. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just not the same when you live there. I know. Like, yeah. well, well, for Ocean Springs people, I mean, y'all go out in downtown a lot, even though you're from here, right? Not really. No. Okay, yeah. good. So it is the same, right? Once in a while. Yeah. Well, I like going during the day or like early, early evening. Um, yeah, that's a lot different than the nighttime scene. Unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what I don't want to kind of get, get around too much. And plus, plus they're starting to let people from the military come off base and go down there. And <gasps> you don't like that they're freeing them now? I'll I mean, honest. they couldn't even go home for Christmas, I've, could they? The couple times that like I, I've almost gotten in a fight downtown has been while I've been in the military and there was some stupid military guy I was down there from Keesler there in training you know like one trying to meet a wife <laughs> something yeah I guess but like my wife's cousin one time was being was being harassed by this guy and like I did intervene with that and it's like come on man like stop stop trying I know what you're doing here move on the thing is we're too old we're too old now <laughs> I met Ben in 2011 and in 2012, I think, is when we started, like, you know, hanging out. And I'd be like, hey, we have a, have a lot of people going to downtown OS. He's like, I ain't going to downtown OS. He's like, I don't want to see anybody I know. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the reason you don't want to go? Look, <laughs> Yes, that's fully the reason. I've enjoyed being being back, right? right. Um, but honestly, I'm happy to hear Ben say that because I oh, got yeah. up in the same way. Like, it's, it's one of those things like, I, you know, I just. This, I think it's like the small chit chat, though. To where it's like, if you could just casually say, hey, and then just keep going, that's different. But, you know, if you see somebody out in downtown and you're both, like, just standing there grabbing a beer, you're like, well. We're kind of different people at this point, too, you know? Oh, I would hope so. And, and Well. <laughs> the fact that you knew exactly. Okay. Again. Yes. Exactly. I mean, you would hope that you've evolved past this point, right? Yeah. But we all know people that. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's it's like, it's, it's this weird position you're in where you're trying to make small chat because you want to pick up because you've known them since yes, since high school but right. but like you can't because you're different you got a different set of experiences in life and and the things you weird. found funny in 2008 you know not funny anymore yeah i mean i've had people come up to me yeah. and be like katie do you remember that one time you did this and i said no i don't remember that <laughs> no. and if i did that now i'd be arrested i'll tell you something i did off oh, the I'm ready. and I, I i've told a story on here i don't want to tell it on on yours because sure. i don't want to you know, ruin, right. ruin your episode. <laughs> ruin. <laughs> I want it to be something that can be shared. <laughs> I love that. That it's ours. It's ours. There you go. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, um, you know, y- you know, these different people that have moved up and in, in different jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh God, I wonder if they still think that about me from like 2007. And then I have to say to myself, I would really hope that if the positions were opposite, that they, that you wouldn't think that something somebody did 20, 15 years ago would still be the same person in front of you today. Yeah. That's what I have to tell myself to make myself feel better, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I'm, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and, and there's, there's also people that have gotten, have done really well. And I, and I'm like, how in the hell did that, did, did you do that? It's great. I love it. But so like, happy for you. Man, I thought you'd be in prison. What, <laughs> whatever you did, write a book about it. Yeah. Cause I mean, it'll be successful. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's so many people that just, yeah. you say, man, you're just not going to make it. And then they do. But once again, it might be sketchy circumstances, but good for them. So you've mentioned writing a couple mm-hmm. times, okay. writing a book and whatnot. Sure. You've put some thought into it. Do you have a book idea or something that you've been no. working on? Okay. I Ben and I started our doctorate programs at the same time. Okay. Ben will be graduating in August. I had just come off finishing my master's and I started my doctorate program and I said, I'm over this. I'm out. After one semester. One okay. semester. I said, but Ben is the type of person he can't quit anything. He can't quit anything. And for me, I said, I'm just not, I'm not into this right now. Not, I'm sure I will go back and finish my doctorate at some point, but not right now. Not right now. Why not? What, 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 what was, uh, I think it was just, you know, we, we talk about like evolving and stuff. And I think for me, it was kind of like, it it was so funny because I was writing another paper about feminism. And I think it was like the third one. I was in a women's studies class and I said, I think I've written all I can say right now. Even if I'm learning more, I'm, I'm not passionate about what I'm writing anymore because I, I was in a position to where I wasn't seeing students every day anymore. I was mainly like running facilities and stuff like that. So for me, I kind of lost that face-to-face contact with them and therefore lost kind of the motivation to kind of learn more and do more. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, okay, I can stop this PhD program and then focus more on like the nonprofit stuff or focus more on, you know, my dog and being happy instead of like being so consumed by staying up till one o'clock in the morning because I'm a procrastinator and finishing a paper. Then on the other hand was like, I'm not quitting. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Procrastination is such a funny thing because it's like a negative feedback loop. And it's because you can be successful while procrastinating. Absolutely. Encourages you to like yes. procrastinate more. It is a sick, sick cycle yeah. that I was caught in the whirlpool in <laughs> and I wasn't getting out anytime soon. Yeah. I wrote a, I think it was like a nine page paper in an hour. And I, Ben was more stressed than me. <laughs> he said, I, I can't work with you like this. <laughs> I'm like in bed, like watching SVU, okay. Lawnmower SVU. And I'm like, he said, you know, that papers do at five. It's like three 30. I'm fully aware. I am fully aware. I still get A's. That's the problem, Brian. That is the problem. No, I have not thought about writing book, but if I did, it would probably be with Ben. Cause I need the balance. Oh. Mine would be more of, um, <laughs> to go back alien abductions or something like that. I'm sure. And his would be like, maybe something more practical. No. <laughs> not that. <laughs> Okay, what's 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 next for you? What's next? You know, I go back to the chamber in June, and hopefully there'll be in-person events, and uh-huh. so hopefully I'll get to see people again. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, with junior auxiliary, you this, seem like the kind of person who needs to have people around. That is so funny because I do during the day, but at night lately, I've been like, I, I don't know if I have that anymore, and I think it's because. What, like when you're at the chamber, this before COVID, when you're networking all day, when you're meeting people all day and like hearing these stories and experiencing all these things and you come home, I just want to meet the people I already know. Yeah. I just want to be I around the stories I already know and hear about their day and like be able to process that. So I think that's something that's changed since I've gotten older. But, oh man, I was extremely extroverted in high school and college. And I think that, I think I did too much to where now I'm like, eh, eh. <laughs> Does Ben bounce you out? Yes. And I think I bring him out too. Yeah. I would hope so. He's, 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 he's a little quiet. I I think 
I don't know. I'm just guessing. Being, I would love to hear it. Being such a big guy, sure. he probably didn't have to try hard to be noticed. <laughs> I don't you know, and, and not big in a bad way. No, I mean, because no. I've, I've told him he was probably the fastest, ba- fastest, biggest guy on the football field I'd ever seen. And he's hot. Know? And I he's, mean. he's, I mean, <laughs> you can say it, Brian. You can, say if he wasn't married, I'm sure. just, look. Uh, we're not you, not one bit. Not one maybe, bit. Maybe if he and I do a podcast, you don't let him come alone is all I'm saying. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> but I, no, I think you're, I think you're right in some aspects, but I think the thing that draws people to Ben is that he is this massive dude with this, uh, he does have a presence about him, but it's also very, it's his heart. Like he's not going to. That's, that was going to be the follow-up is that, is, is, is that he's, he's, you know, a very caring person. He's yes. a very, I would assume a very loving person, yes. you know? And so it's, it's, it's great to see that he's, he's both these things. He's this big, yes. strong brute of a man, but then also, you know, he, he's got what you'd want that same person yes. to have. And when he was working with kids a lot, I mean, you could just, the, the kids, the way they would magnify towards him, just yeah. gravitate and just pull into him. And it was because it was this different type of masculinity. Yeah. It was still there. I mean, he's still into sports and stuff like that, but he's just genuine. Yeah. He's not, you know, trying to put on anything. And, you know, we, I'm sure you've, I don't know when you met your wife, if y'all been together forever. Piano class in high school. Really? That is the cutest thing. <laughs> Were y'all on the pianos next to each other? Or was it like y'all saw each other? There was only one piano. No, so we all had our keyboards, right? Oh, keyboards, okay. <laughs> we all had our <laughs> I keyboards. I like a grand and piano. There was, and there was one piano in the class. Okay. Uh, and I was I was the troublemaker. Oh, and Brian. And she and I hadn't said anything. So... <laughs> Two quick stories about that. One, I had this thing where I just wanted to annoy the teacher, and so I would play um, "Cold as Ice" in every song, in some way, shape, or form. If, why if, you? if we were doing "Moonlight Sonata" at some point in the middle of the bridge, I'd hear. Yes, absolutely. And if that's, people didn't do that with you, that's their fault. I know. Well, so I was talking to my buddy uh, Casey. Shout out to Casey Door, and it was around prom time, and I didn't have anybody to go to prom with. And so I was talking out loud, like, oh, man, I, you know, it's prom. I'd really For some like reason, there was a mic that dropped down. I, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I could see her at the corner of my eye, and she just looked really uninterested. And so I kept talking about it out loud, hoping I could get some sort of read because I'm too scared to go talk to her. And then uh, years later, she's like, I really wish you would have just said something because I, I was thinking I'll totally go with you. And I didn't. So I think I missed prom that year. But it's my own fault. Yeah. That's not the story I was expecting. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> but if you could go back and ask her, would you? Or do you think that would mess everything up? Oh, man. I know. Butterfly effect. I don't know. I don't know. Well, honestly, I'm not so convinced that she would say yes. One, because at the time, it would have been... So this is going to sound weird. So I was a junior. She was a freshman. Right. So two years in the grand scheme of things does not matter, right? No, but in high, but school, high school, it does. It matters, yeah, 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 right? yeah, I get it. Uh, and so I don't think that her parents would have let me. And uh. and I think that that would have potentially turned off future potential right there. Sure. I, I would have, because I know me in that time, I would have vacated that opportunity right. and moved on. Right. So I have a similar story. Um, my relationship before Ben was very toxic. Okay. Um, but he had an apartment in D'Iberville and Ben was in the same apartment in the building next door. Literally. So if this was Ben's apartment and this was the apartment he was Is in. Is this by the gym? <sighs> Across from the post office? Uh, no, it's in the, um, what are those? It's in D'Iberville. Are those them? What are they called? 
are they called promenade apartments or something like that? I think so. Like be, because the gym that he goes to, I think is next door. You got the Ford dealership on the corner. No, 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 no. no? Those are the nice ones. Okay. This is over on, um, oh my God, I'm really bad at coast stuff. It's somewhere in Diaberville. I'm not gonna, I'll explain it to you later where these apartments are. Okay. Cause it's, <laughs> My map stuff is not great. It's not okay. great at all. But anyways, so I was telling him about, you know, when you talk about your past relationships and stuff like that, and he said, I know exactly what apartment you were in because I was dating a police officer at the time. And he said, and we saw that cop car all the time. And I'm like, if we would just ran into each other in the parking lot <laughs> or something. So then flash forward, that was, that was 2010, 2011. I'm at a house party with my sorority sisters and Ben's there. And they're like, Katie, this is Ben, Ben, Katie. And we say hello, and that's it. So we're at uh, this little bar called Ropers. And something happened on the dance floor. I was by myself. I thought I was by myself. I turn around, and Ben's behind me. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. What was his pickup line? I'll have to tell you after. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to tell you after. But it will make you laugh. It will be one of the first. I don't think you will ever hear a story like this again. But, I, th- I, I, I Yeah. I wish okay. I could share. I can't wait to tell you. <laughs> can't wait. But yeah, Ben's the best. To sum up, Ben is wonderful. Yeah. And also donate to Junior Auxiliary at jobos2021.gifsmart.com. There you go. Well, you heard it here first. Katie, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And and, and I really appreciate uh, the the work that you're putting in to the community. And and more importantly, that you're... that. I'm fired up that you're so fired up about doing it. Right. You know, when you're fired up about something, passionate about something, there's there's really no limit to to what you can do with it. And I'm certain that you've uh, you're going to lead an organization of the same kinds of people. And again, I'm I'm excited to see what y'all are able to 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 do for the coast there. Right. And um, again, thank you for all the work you do with uh, with the chamber as well. Of you course, know, a you lot know, of a lot of great work there. Brian, we couldn't do it without the support of our members and every single one of them powerhouses amazing and we couldn't do it without our community and you know you talk about you know myself doing you know community stuff but that's what you do right now you know I've never junior has never been asked to come on a podcast before never been asked to share our story of what we do and the projects that we do so the fact that you're giving us this avenue or this channel to do that I mean just speaks volumes like you doing this you asked how you could help earlier it's it's by this kind of stuff yeah. like just letting us have the voice out there to where if we can reach more people who might know somebody who might know somebody who sure. can you know re- greatly impact these kids yeah I mean so thank no the thanks goes to you because this, this is easy for Y'all me. Y'all are doing the work. <laughs> well, we all are, a hundred of us are doing it. So, but for you, to, oh, yeah, you know, you. take the time to do this and to edit yeah. this and to really listen to it. And, you know, we got off on our tangents, but still, yeah. you know, thank you for having us. Cause you know, what we do is very important. I won't, you know, discredit that. So yeah. thank you for letting us talk about it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, you know, uh, about your work. And uh, we got to get you on again sometime. Absolutely. Maybe with Ben, too. With Ben. Yeah. That'll be, uh, <laughs> I would love to see it. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Perfect. All right, everybody. Thanks. We'll see you. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. And if you want to follow uh, more and hear more, you can check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, everything. You can also follow us on social media. I've got a YouTube channel, so search for Shop and Chivalry. Subscribe there. We also have Instagram. Just look for Shop and Chivalry. Twitter at Shop and Chivalry and Facebook.com slash Shop and Chivalry. You can also shoot us an email 
at administration at shop and chivalry. If you'd like to be on the show or suggest somebody or give more direct feedback, you can also find that link on our website, shoppingchivalry.com, where I have all of my ramblings about the show, what the show means to me, that that particular episode. I've got a blog, other media on there as well, as well as embedded players. So you can play the shows and the videos for those that, that have video as well. So uh, again, thank you for all the love. I appreciate all the feedback. It's been wonderful. I'm having a great time. And uh, yeah, much love. All right. See ya.